How's everyone doing? Good? Good. Okay. No one answered, so I'll just assume good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, we have a few announcements this morning, really quick announcements. Um, men, if you are a man and you are here at Trinity Baptist Church, on March 11th, there is um, our Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. It's like a regional conference for men all over the area to come together um, and be equipped and be kind of raised up in the word. And um, it's really, from, I've never been, obviously, um, but from the men in my life, I have heard that it's a really awesome thing. It's taking place in Cheshire, Connecticut this year. And um, if you sign up by February 26th, the cost is $65 per ticket, and that includes lunch with the rest of the guys from Trinity. And you can sign up in the weekly email, or you can sign up um, with Bob Walter next week. He's going to have a table. Whoa! He's going to have a table in front of the gathering hall, um, so you can sign up there as well. If you're nervous about it, talk to another guy in the church and see if they've ever gone. Then you guys can go together and be friends, and it'd be great. Okay. Um, and then February 26th is also important because it is going to be the date of our annual meeting. So save the date, okay? February 26th, be here after church. We have our annual meeting. We talk about all the business stuff related to the church. You get to vote on things. It's really exciting. Um, so we'll have like an extra big coffee hour and then we'll have our meeting in the sanctuary all together after church, okay? What day is that? February 26th. Great. Okay. Let's pray and then we'll start. Okay. God, we just thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you so much. Um, as Pastor Moses preached last week, Lord, that you really are the one true only God um, and that you are deserving of all of our worship, all of our praise, um, all of our reverence, Lord. And so this morning, we just bring that before you. Um, God, we acknowledge that you are the one and only, the true God. Um, we acknowledge that your words are the most important words that have ever been spoken. Um, and God, we just lay every distraction that we have from the week, Lord, we just lay it at your feet. God, we beg you that you would help to remove those distractions, that you would just help to quiet our minds so that we really can devote this time to you um, and be focused on you. We love you, Lord. That's why we're here. And we just pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. 
Glory be to God. <coughs>
to God. We have a scripture verse to read together this morning, and I'm going to read it in English, and then Rudy's going to read it in Spanish. Amen. And it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Alabada Jehová, invoca su nombre. Dada conocer sus obras en los pueblos. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Cantadle, cantadle salmos. Alabad de todas sus maravillas. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Gloriaos en su santo nombre. Alegrense el corazón de los que buscan a Jehová. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Buscad a Jehová y su poder. Buscad siempre su rostro.
God, you really are that great. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see. There will be a day that all will see how great is our God. God, we wait for that day longingly. We just, our bodies groan for it. Our souls groan for it. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here on the Lord's Day. We have, uh, we have worshipped our Lord with song and praise, and now we're going to worship Him with the, with the preaching of the Word and the study of the Word. Amen? You guys know that that is worship too, right? That's the main thing we do. Uh, there's, there, is, there is no way to worship Him without knowing how to worship Him. You guys get that? And the only way we know how to worship Him is through the Word of God. There is no other way. He tells us how to do it, when to do it, and everything is, is detailed in the Word of God. So we need, we need this time. A service without preaching or teaching of the Word of God is not a service. It's not a service. The Word of God must, must needs to be proclaimed. Amen? So that's what we're going to do today. <clears throat> and I'll invite you to open your, uh, your copies of the Word of God or your lap or your whatever you have. Nowadays, it used to be a time that whenever the preacher invited to open up the Word of God, all you heard was, not anymore. All you, you hear is now click, 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 click. Right? But it's a good thing. It is the Word of God. So I'll invite you to open up uh, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. And that's where we're going to be, uh, that's where we're going to talk. <clears throat> we'll read and then we pray. Amen? The Word of God says, You shall not make your, yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow Bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Oh, blessed Father, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for this opportunity you've given me to, uh, to preach your word, Lord. As I always say, um, not, uh, not worthy of it, but thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you so much. Uh, and I would ask you to help me to preach with, uh, with clarity. Help me to bring the word with clarity. Help us to hear with clarity, Lord, Lord. And help us to be doers of the word and not just listeners of the word. Help us to respond with obedience to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we started, uh, we started last week on a series on the, uh, on the Ten Commandments, and we're going to continue on for a, for a little while, right? 
But I just want to clarify something that I said last week and a couple of people, uh, which, which I like. You know, do you know that that is a good thing? I like it when people, uh, because now I, I know that, that some of you are listening. <laughs> you know, they start asking me questions. They're, 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 one guy said, he says, this is, this is a debatable thing, which is great. You know Why? Because that puts, us, that puts the preacher on, on his toes. That whatever he's going to bring is not just going to bring any old thing, but he has to study the Word of God. Amen? So there's been a couple of times that they've, uh, they, they told me, and they asked me about the, uh, uh, they said, well, where, when you read in Exodus about the Sabbath, it was, um, what it says there, the, Sab- the Sabbath was on Saturday, right? But then I come and I said, well, now is the Lord's Day. Wait a minute. Isn't it, the Sab- Isn't it Saturday? Yes. But remember I said that we keep these things differently today. Right? We keep these things differently today. And that's why we are here on the, on the first day of the week and not on the last day. Because since our Lord was raised from the dead, the resurrection, the, the resurrection was on a Sunday, then that changed to today being our Sabbath. Amen? Amen? Amen. Also, if you read what, what, what is said there about remembering the Sabbath, and it's pointing to creation. That's pointing to creation. Our Lord's Day, which is today our Sabbath, points to our salvation. Points to our salvation. So we see things differently. So that's why I had to bring, you know, just in case somebody else was, was wondering why, why I said that. Amen? All right. So, also I said last week, too, that uh, we, um, uh, I gave an overview. I gave an overview of the whole uh, Decalogue, and we covered some of the the first commandment. And this morning we will, we're going to see, uh, um, we're going to examine uh, uh, um, the second, the second commandment. And if you remember, I said, too, that these Ten Commandments are a pattern. They are a pattern uh, with, they're a pattern with a lot and lots of implications. Lots of implications, right? And, 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 and it's just that pattern and how we are to live our, li- our Christian life before the Lord and before the world, right? So that's why I'm saying there's a lot of stuff. It's just not, uh, you know, you read the, uh, uh, you read the, the command. It's not just the command. No, there's a lot more in there. Right? And today we are going to talk about something that pertains to all of us. All of us. Not just some of us. Not just some of us. All of us. This is for all of us. And we're going to talk about idolatry. Idolatry. Do you get that? Right away that should be putting something in your mind. Because when we... we, when we, when we tend to think about idolatry, all we think is about bowing down to an image. But it's far more than that. It's far more than that. And that's why, I mean, there's lots of implications. And that's what we, that's what we want to see today. So we read, the, uh, we, read the, uh, we, we, we read our verses, right? And it clearly, clearly prohibits uh, uh, idolatry. But let me start by saying this. The man, man is very religious, Man is very religious. We live in a, in a very religious world. Today they say there are roughly 4,200 religions. 
5.8 billion people in the world. They, they, uh, they identify with some aff religious affiliation. And, and the population is 8, 8, mil 8 billion. 8 billion, and you have 5 point billion being religious. That's a lot of people, right? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people in the world. So you can see that the, the man is very religious. Now, in that number, it, it includes us too, because we are, we're, we're in there. Uh, but there's a, lot, there's a lot more, there's a lot more, excuse me, <clears throat> there's a lot more uh, that worship other gods, not the true God, gods with small g. <clears throat> now, uh, as we saw last week, there's only, there's only one true God, there's only one true God, and that was the first commandment, right? Only one God, there's only one true God, and we established that. We, we established that. So the rest of those religions, or really, really, uh, the tongue twister, religiosity, am I saying it right? Well, you know what I'm talking about anyway. <laughs> All of that religiosity, it's idolatry. It's just plain idolatry. You take the Hindus, for, for, uh, for example, they have 330 million gods, 330 million gods. And they say it's about eight, eight gods per family, right? They have 75 million cows that they worship, 75, 75 million cows that they worship. In Thailand, there are 20,000 20, Buddhist temples. Uh, and in one of those temples, they have this, this uh, two-inch two long tooth. It's this colorated tooth that they have it in there uh, that is worshipped by millions. Worshipped by millions. Uh, <clears throat> 400 million Buddhists they have, and they say is the most sacred object, that, that, that tooth, right? The most sacred object on earth. And the tooth they claim it was rescued from, from the funeral pyre of Buddha in, 540, in 543 B.C. That's a very, very old tooth. Very old tooth. But they keep it on this gold, a golden lotus blossom at a temple called the, the Temple of the Tooth, obviously. Temple of the Tooth. And, and, and the interesting thing is that they surround this tooth with rubies and hundreds of flowers. This, the, this tooth. And they come from all over the parts of the world to worship it. They bring gifts of gold, silver, jewels, diamonds, and they just throw them all into the, into the tooth. I, I find that incredible. And that's something. Um, but that's not to say about the apostate Christianity that, that, that we have. Uh, where they claim, lots of them claim that they have a few churches... Uh, they claim to have the hair of Virgin Mary, different locks of the, of the, uh, of, of the locks of, uh, of her hair. Watch this. I read this. Drops of the virgin's milk that are kept in the church of San Guadioso at Patrizio at Naples. Interesting, right? That milk has been there for a long time. And when you start reading about all of this, there is so much, there's so many bizarre things where you, you start reading about different images that are, they're, they're crying, some of them are uh, oil coming out of their hands, and people flock from all over. They flock 
to bow down, to pray for them, to pray to them, rather, and, and all of that stuff, right? <clears throat> they bow to worship them, and they're just ridiculous, ridiculous claims and, and things that they do, right? Now, I read something interesting, too, as I was, as I was reading. Um, hear this. Many psychologists, philosophers, and liberal theologists, they would suggest to us or hold to the idea that religion is just a mark of men, a mark of men ascending from chaos, from chaos, and primitive ignorance to an ascension through animism, polydemonism, polytheism, and then finally they come into monotheism, which we said is one God last week, right? And finally they get to the one true God. Did you, do you understand that? In other words, in other words, they start, man starts from the bottom. And that's why they worship all those things. And as they're searching and searching and searching for God, eventually they will come to the one true God. That's what they're saying. The thing is that the testimony of Scripture is very different to that. Very different to that. <clears throat> And it's the human religion of all kinds, of all possible kinds of varieties. <clears throat> Doesn't matter how sophisticated it is or how, how uh, uh, sophisticated it is. It's just a decadent and descent of the human race. They're going down. They're going down. But they start up. See? And that kind of worship pushes humanity away from God and from the truth. And the more they move away from God, the more they go into the muck of, of religion. The more they go into the muck of, of idolatry. And if you go, to with me to, go with me to Romans 1, I'll show you what the, what the Word of God says. And we're going to have to, it's a long, it's a long, uh, it's a long section, but we must read it. Because that's where, that's what God tells us. Uh, <clears throat> not a long section. It's from 18 to, to 23. This is what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived even ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave them thanks, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Do you see that? Do you see the pattern, and do you, do you see the descent? They knew God. They know God. And that's just in parentheses. There's no such thing as an atheist. There is no such thing as an atheist. 
The Bible tells us there in Romans that the law of heart has been written in their hearts by their conscience. And by what we see, white nature. That's the, that's the first revelation, nature. So God is saying that from the beginning, it should be clear to everyone when they see, when they see nature that there's a God. But the reason why they don't want to believe is because what we, we said in the beginning right here when, when we read it, they suppress the truth with their unrighteousness. They just don't want to know about God. It's better not to know about God because they could live any way they want. Right? And feel okay about it. And that's why. That's why. But there's no such thing as, a, as an atheist. But <clears throat> here we are. Paul, here, here in this passage, he's describing all of humanity, all of the human race. And he says in verse 21, although they knew God, you see, they did not honor him as God or gave him thanks. So in effect... When they refuse to worship the true God, when they refuse to, to worship God, they make themselves images. And so in verse 23, it says they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images, resembling of mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. And again, they refuse to worship God, and in his place, they turn to false gods, and, and, and we know that that is unacceptable because that's what, that's what our, our passage says in Exodus. Right? Amen. So now, I, I want to say something that is, that is very basic. And here we're talking about idolatry. Idolatry is the most, hear this, is the most serious and contaminating sin there is. I'll repeat it. Idolatry is the most serious and contaminating sin there, sin there is. And the reason is, is because it strikes at the heart of God. It strikes off the heart of God, at the character of God, at his nature. And once you have adulterated the character of God, everything is lost. Everything is lost. The guidelines for any other moral judgment are gone. Remember what we said last week? Those Ten Commandments are the moral character of God. And once we have contaminated that, it's done. And so... From there, Pandora's box is open, and everything is going to be chaos. Everything is going to be chaos, unless there is the right perspective of who God is. And that is the only way. That's the, that is the only way. And that's why, that's why, <clears throat> out of the Ten Commandments, the first, the first commandments are directly related to idolatry, directly. Because that's the beginning of everything. We must have the right perspective of who God is. We must. If we don't have the right perspective on who God is, then everything completely is lost. See? <clears throat> now I'm going to give you two broad thoughts. Two broad thoughts. And then we go and... Two broad thoughts, and then we're going to go into some specifics of idolatry. We're going to bring it right home, right home, because there's a lot of things that sometimes we don't think about. Sometimes we don't think about, and we must. But there's two broad thoughts. And to begin with, uh, <clears throat> first, idolatry is libel on the character of God. Idolatry is libel on the character of God. Libel is slander or defamation. And that's a fearful, that's a, that's a scary sin. That's a scary sin. Because that's, here, here what is that? That's believing or assuming 
that God is diff- it's a different thing of what he truly is. You get that? Believing or assuming that God is a different thing of what he really is. A.W. Tozer said this, A God begotten on the, sh- on, on the shadows, in the shadows of a fallen heart will quite natural be, naturally be no true likeness of the true God. That is true. So you see, idolatry is not just bowing down, and that's why I said it, it's important for us, because it's not just bowing down before an, an image. It's not just that. In our societies, when we go to our third world countries, and like, and we're always talking about the, um, well, the, our congregation is from Peru, from Guatemala, from Mexico. So when you go to this, when you go to this parts of the, uh, of the world, there's a lot of images, a lot of idolatry going on here. And we don't see that much here. We don't see that much in our society. See? <clears throat> but idolatry is assuming that God is something he is not. It's assuming that God is something that he is not. And it, 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 it's to have unworthy, unworthy or, or wrong, erroneous views of God. Perversions about who, who God is. And that is idolatry. As we read in Romans 1.21, you saw the pattern, right? When they knew God, they glorified him not. Neither were they thankful, but they became proud in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made, into an image made like corruptible man. Every time man goes into a different direction, and that's been since the fall. Man has always to, to, wanted to make a God or change God to his own image, to his own liking, to what he likes. Ever since the fall, we want to turn God into what we, what we, who we are and what we like. And again, any unworthy thought, thought about God is idolatry. And the interesting thing is that one of the things, one of the things that we often do in this particular idolatrous act of reducing God to, to, to us, to us, we reduce him to, to ourselves. And I want to give you an example because, again, as Christians, we, in our minds, we tend to do this too. Because I want to tell you that when we doubt God, when we doubt God, that is idolatry. Do you understand that? Because what we are saying when we are doubting God, and I know everybody's going to say, well, everybody does it, yes. <laughs> but because everybody does it, it's just not, that is right. We all come to that. And that's what I was saying, that this pertains to all of us. Because when we doubt God, what we are saying, we don't believe your promises. We don't, we don't believe your promises. We don't know if you could do the things that you claim to do. That's exactly what we are saying, right? <clears throat> and in, in 1 John 5.10 says, this is what he says, He who doesn't believe God has made him a liar. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Now, question is, is God a liar? He is not. But in our minds, we already have made a God that he is not. Another example. Have you ever heard? I've heard this before. 
God doesn't love me because, well, a lot of times it's because he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered. And we say, God doesn't love me. But is that true? Absolutely not, because the word of God says that God is. That's his nature. By nature, he is love. So when we say we are making ourselves a God that is not the God of the Bible, that is not the God that's been revealed to us. So we're creating another God in our mind. And that is idolatry. That is idolatry. <clears throat> Anything that we say, think, or do that is less than the true, than the true about the character and, and the person and work of our God, it's idolatry. It constitutes slander. It constitutes libel. And it consequently have made, we have made a, a, a God who isn't, who isn't God. That is, not, that is not the God of the Bible. That's the first thought. Second thought. Idolatry is worshiping God, the true God, in the wrong way. <clears throat> and every time man uh, establishes unbiblical uh, um, um, biblical forms or rituals, uh, when they establish those things, and then they neglect to worship with the heart, <clears throat> eventually they will raise, when they don't do it according to what the Word of God says, they will eventually uh, raise idols that stand in, in the way between God and the worshiper. God and the worshiper. Is, remember we said that, that we, we, talk, we talked about that last week too, right? That God tells us how we should worship. Explicitly, he tells us how we should worship. And I'll give you an example of, 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 there's many people with good intentions, they come to worship. Uh, in many churches, they, they, they do their worship services in such a crazy ways, right? And whatever they do, they say, well, it's worship. This is what I feel like giving to God. You remember Cain and Abel? Right? What happened? Abel came with his offering. It was accepted by God. Cain comes in, and it was not an acceptable sacrifice. Why? Was it because God just didn't like it? He didn't like Cain? Absolutely not. God had already prescribed how that worship was to be done. And I'm sure Cain brought good vegetables, good fruit, beautiful, red, ripe, good fruit. But that's not what God had prescribed. So it's not the way we want to do it. It is how the Word of God tells us how we should do it. Amen? <clears throat> Even if the intent is for, for honor and glory of Him, it's not the way, it's not the way we want it. It's the way he's, He does it. And every time, listen to this too, because we talked about this last week too. Every time we adapt worldly practices in the worship service, in the church, is gone. We're raising an idol. We're raising an idol that distracts true worship. And not, that's unacceptable worship. So again, worshiping God in the wrong way is unacceptable. Amen? Another example, and I gave you some that I was reading, but I wrote this, uh, this example here in, uh, in Exodus 32, 1 through 4. Do you remember what happened there as, uh, as, as Moses comes to the Sinai and, and, 
and they come and God tells them to go up the mountain, but the mountain was shaking and that, they were scared. They were super scared. And the people said, wait a minute, <laughs> you go, you go talk to him. We'll stay down here. Can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine that? The, the, the earth, the mountain was shaking. The mountain was shaking. It was just crazy, crazy stuff there. And they said, no, we, we, we don't want to go. We don't want you go and we'll wait for you here. But after 40 days, they got tired and they said, what's going on with Moses? He's not coming back. He's not coming down. So they said they looked at Aaron and they said, hey, Aaron, Aaron, come on. <clears throat> they said, make, make us a God, make us a God. And then in that verse four, they said, this is what uh, 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 Aaron, he said, bring me your gold, bring me your earrings, bring me everything, right? And then as he, he did that, uh, he makes them the, the golden calf, see? And then in verse 4, they say, this is what Aaron says, these are your gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They were worshiping, the, they wanted to worship the true God, but they wanted to do it our, their way, see? And verse 5, then Aaron built the, 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 an altar and he made a, a proclamation. Watch this. Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So this, is, this was for God. This was for God. You see? The intention, uh, the intention was that the image of the, the golden calf would be a rep representation of the true God. Now, they knew this, that they knew that this, this was a pagan uh, practice. Even before they gave them the, 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 they have received the law, right? So what they did was a, a, they made a golden calf. They worshipped it in the name of the, uh, of the true God. Now, I, I, read, I read the whole passage, and, and, and it's, an, it's a funny and interesting thing. Because as, as, as Moses comes down uh, with Joshua, they say, do I hear, I hear something is going on. And Joshua says, it sounds like a battle, you know, battle cry. And Moses said, no, these people are partying. And as they go down, as they go down, he tells Aaron, what have you done to these people? Aaron says, they, it's not me. It was them. They told me to make a calf, and I just brought this uh, uh, gold and everything. I threw it into the fire, and voila, this calf came out. That's what he said. The interesting thing about that is that that's, we all tend to blame somebody else, right? I was looking at it, and I'm like, man, just like from the beginning of time, uh, Adam and Eve? No, Adam said no, it was... It was it was her. And then she said, no, you know, it was you. <laughs> and there's always that blame game. Now, I want to say that because in the beginning, in back, in, back at, when he gave the Ten, ten Commandments, if you, read, if you read the first verses, it says, you shall not. And you, that you shall not, it's individual. So everyone must take responsibility for their idols they worship. Everyone. It's not, that wasn't a general, that was, no. It was individually that we, that we, that we are whole responsible for that. Amen? <clears throat> so they reduce God to an image. 
In Psalm 106, 19 says this, they made a calf in Oreb and worshiped the, the, the melted image. And now listen, verse, verse 20. Does they change their, the, does they change their glory into the, the similitude of an ox that eats grass? They change God into an ox, and God is not an ox. God is not an ox. <clears throat> so again, no visual, no visual conception of God can represent him. None. Amen? So those are the two broad thoughts. And now I want to come into the more specific because now it, it, it's, it, it comes down to, to us. And it will help us define what idolatry is. Number three, idolatry is worshiping any image, right? That's what we said, verse 4 in, in, in Exodus, what we said. In Isaiah 44, 14, 44, 14 to 20 tells us something that, uh, that, that helps us understand what this, what this means. And, and in that passage, uh, uh, Isaiah is talking about uh, the irrationality, the, 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 the absurdity of, of idolatry. And he says there's this guy that he, he goes and he looks at a cypress tree. He looks at his beautiful tree. The, the, the rain has come. They been watered and is beautiful, healthy, he goes and he cuts it. He goes and he cuts it, right? Part of it is for his, to keep him warm. Part of it is so he could cook his meals. And another part of it, he carved, he carved himself out an image, a God. And then he goes, he bows down to it and he tells him, he tells the image, now you could save me. Now, we, 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 ridiculous, right? But that's what a lot of people do. That's what a lot of people do. But this is what's happening here. <clears throat> and we could see in there the folly of this, uh, of this kind of idolatry, to worship any image of any kind. See? Uh, we never substitute an image for the reality. <clears throat> now, again, we, we, and, and when I tell you guys that, when I tell you that we say, well, we don't, we don't, we don't do that here. But let's bring it down to us, because I know we don't bow to, 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 to images, but let's bring it down to our, here, more to our society, to what we think in terms of our attitudes towards these gods, because we're not safe. None of us are safe from, from idolatry, not just because we don't bow down to any images that we, we, we could be safe. No way. We're all guilty of this, of this thing. <clears throat> idolatry is any idol in your heart. Let me repeat that, because that's for me too. Idolatry is any idol in your heart. And now, my brothers and sisters, we have to look. We have to look into our own hearts and see what's. Uh, and we all know that there's always something that we have. What is in our heart? What do we struggle with in our heart? And I don't think there is no one that could say, I have nothing. I don't think there's no one that could say, I have nothing. And if you, if you do say you don't have anything, just ask someone in your family. <laughs> just ask your wife. Husband or, or, or wife, just ask your husband. They know. They know. Because we all, we all struggle with something. And it could be lots of things. There are some people who bow down to the altar of education. And that we see in our society quite a bit. It's all about school. 
and it's all about school, and it's all about school, and it's all about education. I'm not saying education is wrong. Absolutely, it is not wrong. But we could make it into a God where that is all that is important. And all our priority, all our dedication, all of our time, all of our effort is in that education, education, education. And it's all, everything, it's about that. And all they see, a lot of them, you know, and it goes back and forth to the parents and to the kids and to the kids. They want the, they want the degrees. They want the, the letters, a whole bunch of letters before the name or after the name or under the name. But it's all about the degrees and it's all about the letters, right? There's a book. There's a book called Camp, Camp is God's on Trial. And the author talks about the, uh, the, the school campuses of America here in, 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 in the States. And, and he says <clears throat> that the students, and I think all of you know, the students have gods, small g. And they are humanism. That was the, the, the uh, this is what he said, humanism, materialism, and sex. Humanism, materialism, and sex. And you know, we have in our, you know we have in our money. What do we have in our money written? In God we trust. But in our hearts we say, me first. Me first. That's humanism. Humanism says, I can handle my own problems. I can't do, I could do it myself. I can't do it myself. I don't need no one. I run, I run my own world. I am the captain of my ship. I don't need anybody else. I don't need nothing. But the truth is that, and we could see that very clearly today. We could see that in our society. We could see that all around the world, that that is not the truth. Man is destroying himself. Man is destroying himself. Man has problems that he cannot. Remember how we ended last week? Christ is our only hope. But when they're looking for solutions in money and anything else, it's not going to happen. God is our only hope. Nothing else. God is our only hope. We also have materialism, and that's another God, God of men. <clears throat> we have the God of sex. We see today that pornography is just a, is, is rampant. It used to be that the, 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 um, um, the statistics, said, statistics said that only guys, but they say now is just women and men. Women and men. And when they look at the statistics in Christians, they say 65, 65% of Christians have said that they, are, that they watch pornography. That is a sad thing. That is a sad thing. Because that is, a, that is a, a, a God that has been worship for a long time. And it, one of the ugliest God, gods. We have this thing that, we have this thing that they call the, the hookup culture, right? The hookup culture, and is that they see uh, they see sex as just a, a casual thing, and it's almost just like shaking a hand. 
There is no value to it. There's no, there's no sanctity of it. And that's today. That's a big idol that we have in our society. Now watch this. Ezekiel 14. And Ezekiel 14 targets those, uh, those idols of the heart. <clears throat> and I'm going to give it to you. We're not going to read it. We're just gonna, I'm just going to take you through so, because we, we want to save some time. In verse 1, God is talking to the, to the elders there, right? And in verse 3, he says, They have their idols in their hearts, and they put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. In other words, their idol is all they, they could see. Their idol is in front of their face, in front of their face, and they cannot see anything else. They cannot see God. They cannot see anything because it's in front of their face. <clears throat> now, what could God said to us in our, in our days? What is it that we have in front of our face that we cannot see God? Because it happens many times. And I believe God would tell us they cannot, they can't give me priority because they're too busy with their education. They are too busy making money. They are too busy with their activities. They are too busy worship the God of recreation, the God of sports. Pretty soon we're having the, the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl is coming up. Do you know how much money they spend on that thing? It's unbelievable. They could feed a country with that kind of money. Still. Well, we see, we see that, that, that parents, they're taking their kids into, they, they have them in, 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 in soccer camp or football camp, baseball camp, all kinds of camps, hoping, hoping that one of their kids could be the next star. Lots of them. You see it all the time. Hoping that there could... We don't, but we don't need another superstar athlete. As Christians, we need our kids. We need our kids to know the Lord. They should know the Lord. We should be raising kids for the glory of God. That is the best legacy that we could give our kids. It's not the big house you leave, live. No, no, no. I, I always joke about this. My dad left me five bucks. That's what I found in his wallet when he passed away. He left me five bucks. But I am so thankful for my father. Every time I thank the Lord for, as I'm thanking him for this, I, thank, I said, thank you, Lord, for my dad. Thank you for my mom. Because they were prayer warriors. They showed us the word of God. They instruct us in the word of God. And that's, there's no value to that. There is no value to that. And that's what we should be teaching our kids. That should be priority. Not the sports, no. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that education is wrong. I am not saying that. But the Bible tells us, Christ said this. What if the man gains, 
What profit if the man gains everything in this world and he loses his life? Nothing. It's nothing. So the best thing we could do is bring our, Lord to the, bring our kids to the Lord. Amen? <clears throat> now, and, and, and we all are tempted, brothers and sisters, with, 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 with ambitions, desires, possessions. Uh, we're all we're, we, that's what I'm saying, that this pertains to us because we are, all are tempted with that. Who doesn't see that? There's times that we're driving by somewhere, my wife and I, and we say, oh, look at that house. Yeah. I wish I had that. <laughs> right? So this happens to us. We, 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 we're tempted with ambition, ambitions, desires, possessions, recognition, and a series of all these similar things like that, that that can easily turn, they could easily turn into idols. That that's all that we're focusing on. And our Lord said, for where your treasure is, there you, there's your heart will be also. Amen? And the biggest treasure of the heart, uh, or, or, or the idol of the heart, is me. It's the I. It's, it's me. See? Amen? Because that is the big... Remember we said that last week, you know? We said that last week. Now, let me give you... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Another one, idolatry is covetousness. And we, 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 we talked about that in the, the last week. In the, uh, the la that's our last commandment, right? Tenth commandment, last week. Uh, and, and we could say this about co coveting, that ultimately, ultimately, that's what we said, uh, that coveting is ultimately you not being satisfied with what God has given you, and you want what you don't have or you want what your neighbor has. That's the ultimate of that, right? Now, in, 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 in our passage, in, in, in verse 4, and I want to bear with me. I'm going to tie this in. This, in, in, in our verses there, it gives us the, the principle of, 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 uh, of jealousy, of the jealousy of God, right? Uh, give us that principle. And the jealousy of God... I just want to bring this up because this is, this is so important. The jealousy of God makes some people uh, uncomfortable, right? Like Oprah Winfrey. I heard her show one time, and she said that she was just not having this because he says that how can God be jealous if that's a sin, right? And, and it seems like it's, it's true because uh, jealousy is, is sinful, and so it, seems like it is, it, so it seems like it is okay for God, right, to sin, but not for us. But not for us. It's like uh, he's upholding sin for himself. And he's saying, no, you can't do it, but I could. And that's the way they, that's the way they take it, see? And we, that's why I'm saying we need to be clear about this, see? Because jealousy, it's sinful because it's essentially you violating the Ten Commandments, being you shall not covet, covetousness. And coveting, see, is, is you see the possessions, the positions, you see the praise uh, that's been received by another. Be more desirable for yourself. You want that for yourself. They're, you want their possessions, you want their position, and you want their praise to be yours, right? Or at least you don't want it to be for them. <laughs> In other words, you believe that God has erroneously, erroneously, or wrongly has passed 
out possessions, positions, praise to someone who doesn't deserve it, and you deserve it more. You deserve it more, right? So you see, that's why jealousy is wrong for us. You get that? That's why jealousy is wrong for us. But jealousy is not wrong for God. Because God, first, first commandment, God is God. And if God allows position, possession, or praise that belongs only to him, if he, he allows to be the possession of another, then he would be committing the, son of, uh, the sin of idolatry. The sin of idolatry. Because if he stops being jealous of, of his own glory, that means that he's sharing his glory with somebody else. You get that? He's sharing his glory. God says that he doesn't share his glory with anybody else, right? And that's the reason why jealousy is right for God and not for us. Because he owns all praise. He owns all position. And all possessions belong to God. And he doesn't share his glory with anybody. So he's got the right to be jealous. But we don't. Amen? So when we covet, we're putting ourselves in the place of God, making ourselves an idol. And that's idolatry. That's idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. And, and that's really worshiping on the materialism. And, and we talked about that. Uh, we tend to want bigger, want more, more, more. Wherever it is, we want it. We, you know. And when we put our place and our strong desire there, it's just we want more, more, more. It's not enough. We hear what Paul says in Philippians 4.11. I have learned in whatever state I am there, I have learned in whatever state I am there with to be content. I know what it is to have and what it is not to have. May the Lord, may God gives us, give us that, that, that. May we get to that place of maturity, right? Where we could say, I am satisfied. I'm satisfied with what I have. I don't need any more. I don't want no more. And if God allows me to have more, praise the Lord, but it's for his glory and it's not for me. Amen. Now, we've seen just a few things that give us a, a fair look of, and there's a lot more. I had, I had to chop it down time. A few things that gives us this fair look of, of idolatry. The wrong thoughts about God, images, images other than God, wrong ways to worship God, uh, the right God, setting up idols in the heart, like what we talked about, covetous, materialism, sex, things. That's idolatry. But what does the Bible tell us that we should do about this, about idolatry? Two verses. That gives us the answer, and it gives an advice. First Corinthians ten fourteen, and they're short, but they're sweet. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And that word "flee" is a word. It's a word they use that that that's used like when some beast is chasing you. You get that? Flee, run as fast as you can. <clears throat> And then 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now notice, both of these verses, it's talking to the church. It's talking to the church. It's not talking, even though it affects people out there too, but he's talking to the church, and he's telling us, keep away, run away from it. Why? 
because it affects us. How does it affect us? Well, here we go. First of all, it defiles us. It defi- that means that it, it, it renders us sinful, puts us in a, in, 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 a, in a sinful place rather than a righteous place. Ezekiel 27 says this, defile not yourselves with idols because they have an, a, a, a defiling effect. Whatever kind they are, whether they're images or whether they're whatever the, 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 the idols of a heart, sports, education, money, entertainment, family, whatever that idol is, it has a defiling effect on us. It interrupts our righteousness. Now for us, fortunately, and that's the beauty of our, of our salvation, uh, by the mercy and grace of God, He forgives us and He keeps on forgiving us. He he keeps on cleansing us. But, nevertheless, it's no less idolatrous and no less defiling. And it hurts us. It hurts us. Secondly, idolatry not just has a defiling effect, but a polluting effect. A polluting effect on everyone around us. On everyone around us. Ezekiel 36, 18 tells us that. Wherefore, I pour my fury on them for the, for the blood they had shed on the land and for their idols by which they had polluted it. You see that? Idolatry doesn't, not only affects me, but it affects everyone I touch. Everyone. Everyone I touch. Whatever idol that might be. Third, idols are useless because they can't help us. Right? And that's what we, we, we talk about about the, 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 uh, the absurdity, absurdity of it, right? No sculpture, not, no image can't save you. They cannot save us. They cannot, give you, they cannot give us mental peace. They cannot solve our problems. They cannot protect us, even though a lot of people pray for that. They pray for, for, for protection and all of that, right? <clears throat> a lot of people say that gives me good luck. There's no such thing as luck. Sorry to disappoint you, but the, you know, when we say good luck, no, there's no such thing as good luck. That's just a, a thing of the imagination. It's a lie. There's no such thing. <clears throat> and you definitely can't turn to your money, right? You definitely can't turn to your money to save you. When you're in a bed and you could, t- I've heard many, many people who are millionaires, they're on their deathbeds and money can't save them. Money can't save them. Neither fame, neither their education or prestige can help you. The idols of the heart can not do anything for us. And fourthly, idolatry defiles you, pollutes you, pollutes everyone around you, can help you when, you're, when you need it. And then, fourthly, they bring upon you the guilt that activates God's vengeance. Ezekiel 44.10 says this, But the Levites... Who went from me, going, going, for went from me, going astray from me after their idols. When Israel went astray, when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. Amen. Idolatry has guilt attached to it. So when we have false idols, you render yourself guilty to that, and eventually, the vengeance of of God will come down. It puts us in a place of ch- chastening. Chastening, am I saying it right? Chastening from God because he's the judge. Now, I, I found this interesting, how God rea- reacts to idolatry. In Isaiah 6, 65, 5, he's talking about, the passage is talking about idolatry. And this is what God says. 
they are smoke in my nose. Have you ever felt smoke on your nose? Smoke on your nose? You're, you're ever doing the cookout and then you're right there and then that's irritating, right? And that's exactly what the Lord's saying. That irritating, idolatry irritates me. That's what he says. And then he says the following, I will not keep silence. I will repay. I will indeed repay into the lap, into their lap, both the iniquities of you, the iniquities and your fathers together, says the Lord, who have, who have burned as incense in the mountains and blasphemed me in the, in, in the hills. I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. In other words, punishment is, is coming, and that is scary. But that's what happens when we worship any other than the true God, even idols in our hearts when we worship them. And I want to close with this because this is beautiful. Joshua 23, 7 says this. This is Joshua's final message just before he dies. He says, don't, and he's, as he's telling the people, they're going, to go into the, uh, they're going to go into the promised land, right? And he says this, don't make mention of the names of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, or bow yourselves to them, unto them. And then hear this, but cling to the Lord your God. Do you see the same message? that Paul is given, that Paul and John gives us. Joshua says, cling to God. Paul tells us, run away from idolatry. John tells us, keep away from idolatry. Cling to God. Because God is our only source of satisfaction. God is our only source of hope. God is our only source of joy and happiness. There's nothing else. Everything is passing by. There's nothing else. It's only Him. He's our only satisfaction. Amen? Amen. And as we could see, that this, this pertain, pertains to us. And as we come to the Lord's table, as we, we're, we're going to do that soon, we got to examine our hearts, see what's in there. And we don't often hear this word in church, but we should hear it more often. Let's repent. Let's repent and cling to God. Let's repent and run away from idolatry. Let's repent and keep away from those idols. And may God help us to do that. Amen. Bow your heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you because it, it, it challenges us. It convicts us. And we know, and you know, what's in our hearts. You know what's in our hearts. You know those things that we struggle with. And so we bring them to you, Lord. For you are the only one that could help us. We bring all of those idols that, that we lift up, we raise up in our hearts. We may not bow down to any image, but we do make those idols in our hearts. So help us. We repent from all of that, Lord, and help us to be holy unto you and you alone. 
and to give our priority to you and you alone. For you are the only one true God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This next song that we're going to sing to close um, is Lord, I Need You. And I just think it's such a fitting song to close with today that so often, like, we want to flee from that idolatry, right? We have the desire to flee, and we're, like, trapped in these fleshly bodies. Um, I think of, I, you know, Pastor Moses has said this verse, oh, wretched man that I am, like, I want to do the right thing, and then I keep doing the thing I don't want to do, you know? And so as we take this time to repent before we take communion today, um, I hope that this will be a prayer for you, that we say, Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Um, every hour, right? It's not just... For the whole day, right? Every hour, every minute. Um, I think of what Julie, Julie Kusha says in our in our mom's group um, on Thursdays that every second is a surrender, right? Every second. I'm just going to take that second and surrender it to the Lord. Um, God, we need you. So let's stand and sing this together.
just as we come away from that song, is that more than a song that you sing? Is that a song that we sing because we've been invited to sing? Or is that actually a reflection of the posture of your heart? Do you genuinely, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to speak up. You can kind of answer this in the quietness of your own heart, and probably that's the safest place to answer this question. But do you genuinely cry out from the core of your being, Lord, I need you? You know, that's the, this whole idea of idolatry is this belief that whether we, we agree and we say amen to, yes, I need you, Lord, or we say, yeah, I need you, Lord, but I also need this. I think I need that. I can really depend on this. The reality is, as Pastor Moses uh, shared with us, is that God is all we truly need. And, and yet it's a struggle of our hearts to believe that, to, to surrender ourselves to that place of believing He's truly all I need. And so this morning, we're going to take time in our service to think on this very fact, to affirm this faith that we believe as we celebrate around the Lord's table together this morning. Now, on your way in, uh, we didn't have a table out with all the the elements laid out. They were in baskets. And so uh, this is probably the first Sunday we've done that in a while. So if you didn't take an element on the way in, just go ahead and raise your hand. There will be an usher who can help bring those over to you. Um, and so that you can celebrate this time around the table uh, together with us this morning. And it is a time that we come to in faith, that this is a moment in our time of worship together, a chance for us to acknowledge the, the, the posture of our hearts before God, but it's a posture of faith, that the table that we come to celebrate, the Lord's table, is an invitation to come before this table that Jesus invited his followers to to partake in on that night that he was betrayed. Now, as we prepare our hearts for this time, I wonder if you could think on a time when you thought to yourself, man, I want to remember this moment. I I want to remember this moment knowing that there won't be other moments like this in the days to come. So I I want to take the time to remember this moment. Maybe it was the birth of a child getting to hold your child for the first time. I remember when we had Alex, I, I got to feed him a bottle in the nursery, uh, and, and it was just me and him, and, it's, and maybe that's actually not how it happened, but it's how I remember it in my mind. It's this very uh, different moment that he and I shared together. Maybe it's that for you. Maybe it was your wedding day, and you remember that day, and you, you, you knew you wanted to have a, a mental picture of, of that day, standing at the altar or, 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 or walking down the aisle. Maybe, maybe it was a graduation or, or, or something in, in the lives of your children that you want to remember. There are special moments that we take to remember, not just as a good memory, but because they're defining moments in our lives. They're moments that give us, not just remembering the purpose it gave us in the past, but because they remind us of how to live in the present moment. And that's what the Lord's Supper is for us in the faith, as we celebrate uh, each month remembering Christ's death and resurrection. It's not just a a time to remember what Jesus did for us in the past. It's remembering our faith in the present moment and and remembering how we live in light of that faith. And so this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, I want you to remember. I want you to take a moment to remember your faith, 
to remember when you said yes to Jesus by faith and trust in him, and, and, and remember not just what you've done and what you can rely on in the past, but how that shapes how you're living in the present moment. So I'm going to invite us, I'm going to take a moment and invite us to spend a, few mo- a moment in prayer. And then as we come out of that prayer, I'm going to invite us to, to partake of the Lord's Supper together. So let me lead us in prayer. We'll have a moment of silence and then I'll close that time. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us a moment to remember. And this moment is not a celebration of something we've done, but a celebration of something Christ has done. Help us to remember, Lord, to remember not just Jesus' death and, and, and his resurrection, but to remember the abundant life that you invite us into through faith. Lord, we remember not just the faith, the capital uh, F faith, uh, faith in Jesus Christ, but we remember our own personal commitment to, to walk by faith, to trust in you. We trust in, in, in your sacrifice on our behalf. We trust that when God declares us righteous because you, uh, you, your son is righteous, uh, Lord, we accept that. May this time in our service, a time of, of remembering and celebrating, be a time that doesn't just encourage us and give us confidence for our past, but gives us boldness to live boldly in the present by, by faith, to not worship idols or bow down, bow down to them, but to worship the one true God, to cry out from the core of our hearts, Lord, I need you. And you make yourself available to us through the life of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, as you remember, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that he was arrested and then put on trial and crucified, he gathers before all this with his disciples and celebrates a Passover meal. And after the meal, Jesus takes the bread. And after he had broken it, he gave thanks And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, He also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. (coughs) Heavenly Father, may this time of celebration be a, a, a memory that that strengthens us, that gives us confidence, that we do not walk in guilt and shame, but walk 
in newness of life through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you that by faith we can be those people who receive your steadfast love and kindness for a thousand generations because we love you and because you have made a way for us to walk in relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, church, would you stand as we close our time of worship this morning? I want to read a few wor- uh, words for us from Psalm 119. The, the Ten Commandments are a blessing for us to know what it is to be in a, a life with God. But it, it's also an invitation for us to respond to God's word. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Church, may we go forth with that same heart, that same desire, that we will delight in God's statutes. We will not forget his word. Amen. Go in peace.